is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Really concerned about Ben Ennis. He's doing this commercial, but it, yeah. in the commercial, he's talking about his house falling apart. I know. It's a roof. It's a it's faucet. It's, he's, they got issues. What do, you, what do you want? Good thing he does a great job on our drive home show. He does a wonderful job. All right. And uses Jiffy. Support Jiffy. Yes. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. <laughs> and our show is not brought to you by Jiffy. No, it's not. But it could be soon. Sure. You never know. Let's talk to Dave Jiffy, who owns it. We are Real Kipper and Bourne. Derek Brandeo, David Sisboomba, Tristan Marcajani in for our Sammy McKee. It's going to be a good two hours. We're going to dissect what we saw last night out of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Allowing four third period goals, including an empty netter, mm-hmm. and they get trounced by the New York Islanders seven two. Um, where do you want to start? Because I'll, the only thing I want to say, and yeah. and I hope you have more than one thing to say. I got I got a two few, hours. but <laughs> just calm down, everybody. Yeah, like it's. I'm seeing such an emotional uh, roller coaster right now for Leaf fans, and they love the roster. They love the grit. They don't like it. The analytic numbers, they are better than that. We know yeah. that. They were, they're were they much better than the score. I will be the voice of reason to say, take a deep breath here. Calm down. We're going to break out, uh, break uh, what we liked and didn't like last night, but Take a look around the league too, Justin. It's just not the Leafs. No, yeah. I mean, teams lose games and sometimes by a number of goals. Um, you know, we, we've preached a number of times that the good teams have tough stretches too. We've looked at Tampa Bay and said, well, don't fully doubt them. We'll give Toronto the same benefit of the doubt. In fact, their coach wasn't even that hard on them. Sheldon didn't seem to think it was as disastrous as yeah. the final score. But, you know, one thing in particular stands out to me as a takeaway. I can't, it's funny I say takeaway. I can't remember the Leafs giving the puck away yeah. that cleanly that often. Well, we got Brad May coming up in about uh, 42 minutes, former NHLer. He's going to always uh, do a great job breaking down what uh, he thought he thinks and what he thought of the Leafs last night. In the second hour, Ken Reed, co-anchor of Sportsnet Central. That's uh, fun. Yeah, really fun. Yeah. We have not had Ken on before, have One we? One of those names that we were like, wait, why have we not had Ken on before? So this is exciting for us. He's a obviously a big personality. Yes, he is. And uh, I'm guaranteed not to be uh, accused of being the dinosaur of this show, at least today. But you know what? At least he he owns it, right? Like he just, he wears his stegosaurus yes. spines on the way Good. into the studio. It's great. Good. Also in the second hour, we got the NHL Players Association player poll revealed. And they have uh, some, some kind of cool stuff that uh, they talked about. Other than the uh, the conventional uh, best player or best passer, best score, we got best shoe game, and we won't reveal that till the second hour. I'm offended but... by that question. Just that it even exists. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Stop here? it! Stop All it! All right, save it. It's <laughs> like our pre- like the pre-show. Just yeah. like our pre-game me- meetings. Yeah, don't say don't anything it. interesting. Save it. Save it for the show. All right. Okay. Um, you want to talk about? Sheldon Keefe's comments last night, you just mentioned moments ago that he wasn't that hard on them. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, let's decide that in the next little while. Sure. Maybe we'll do the the not overthinking this loss too much. Maybe we'll start with that one because it just seems to set the tone for, you know, the six other clips. We got lots of clips today. Let's start with uh, with that one. 
through two periods, there's, there's a lot to like about our game. That you know, we didn't necessarily deserve to be down three-one after two periods. Um, so there's still a lot of good things that happened in this game here today. Obviously, the third period, you know, we don't like how we handled that, but uh, our team's been through a lot. We've won some big hockey games against very good teams here of late, so we won't overthink this one. Bit of a zag from the coach, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I. I, I don't blame him to be honest with you. Yeah, that you're 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 on an extended road trip here, and it's way too early and way too heavy to come down hard on them. And they were in a hockey game. They, yeah, they they did have chances. They got off to a, a good start. They got their first goal, and let's face it here, just switch out Sorokin last night and. For Samsonov and yeah. put Samsonov in in the other end, and you got yourself a win. I mean, that Sorokin was off the charts. That Gustafson save was unbelievable, and I understand that's like a desperation all he could do. But like Gustafson handled the pass well, ripped it like upper part of the net, like he did all he could. Yeah, he could have slid the puck. Well, that was the other option. I was just a, push it, just slider in the net, I, or take a. Yeah, I don't. Hey, listen, I'm not taking anything away yeah, he, from. I mean, the, he went to catch it and put it up under the he bar. He hit it but, hard. Yeah, he just hit it in the middle <laughs> of the net. Yeah, where Sor- Sorokin had one chance to. He looked like a cricket player. He got so much That's meat a off great of that comparison. He did. He got a big chunk of it. Did you think Samsonov was bad? No, no, I did not. Yeah, I thought he was kind of unlucky. I just, I think it kind of speaks volumes to what's happened to him on the road that's all he yeah. just can't win on the road like i want the one uh the clutterbuck shot to make it four two i think you know you're on the hook to make a high blocker save with no you gave him some net there he did and probably the fashing one off the lilligren turnover so there's a couple i didn't love but i thought it you know all in all i thought he was decent had some bad luck on tips and redirects and scrambles and stuff like that um sheldon was more concerned about the lack of offense from his team. You have any thoughts about that? Should we listen to him on that and then dive in? Yeah, for okay. sure. Cause Let's... I do have some thoughts on that. All right. through, through two periods. I thought we I thought we were playing fine. You know, obviously the, the issue through two periods and really the whole game is you don't get enough offense. So that's to me is as much as you, know, you give up six tonight to me, it's the offensive piece that I'm, I'm a little more concerned with. We didn't generate enough. We had some really good looks. Obviously they made great goal. They made great saves on, but uh, consistently, we didn't challenge enough to the inside, and that's you're playing against this team. If you don't do that, you're going to have a night like this. Yeah, and I think this is kind of uh, kind of co- run side by side with new players, new style of play. Mm-hmm. Like when you th- just really truly think about the number of players that have come in, and they all want to play and. I think all of them have basically. Oh yeah. There there there's an adjustment right now. And that 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 runs just far deeper than, you know, 20 guys. It's like the whole philosophy of the Leafs have has changed here and it it may take time and we could be looking at something that could be great still mm-hmm. or it could be uh major surgery at the trade deadline and you guys didn't you ran out of time to figure it out those are the two things that i'm looking at either they're it's going to end up being great 
we're, we're going to look back at uh, that trade deadline and say, okay, major changes and you guys didn't give yourself enough time to uh, adjust or adapt. Yeah, you know, I think you've hit on something that we should talk about and I take some umbrage with, you know, the idea that this is a whole different way to play for this Leafs team or that they're going to be, you know, they've made these changes and that they're going to somehow start playing different hockey. I think those changes were made not with the mind of being a different hockey team or playing differently, but just to tack on to the outsides, a little bit of grit and tenacity and whatever. I still think they're supposed to carry the puck and hang on to the puck and do the things that have made them the Leafs. That's if you have guys that can do both. Yeah. Do they? I don't know. Yeah. Right. And I, I like Lafferty. Yeah. And I like, uh, Achari Mm -hmm. and you know, I, Brock Nelson took that hit from Achari. Yeah. He came back, did he not? Fine hit, by the way, to me. Nelson turns back in uh, a bit. Borderline. Uh, Give him two for boarding. Maybe boarding. Yeah. Maybe not. I, I don't really care. That's not my point. Okay. My point is, is if I'm a Leaf fan, isn't it nice to see a guy that's wearing blue and white? On that side of on the hit? that side of the hit. <laughs> and not the one, like, taking it. Picking the pieces so up. Yeah. You love that. Yep. But... Is there going to be enough creativity out of Achari or Lafferty mm-hmm. to to come in and say like we got a little bit of everything, or did you sacrifice now a little bit of of finesse or finish and just think about for a second? And we, we I'm not getting into you know Pierre Engvall, but think about his style of play, yeah, yeah. and then think of. Achari or, or Lafferty style of play. And don't tell Same me with that. Sandine and versus and Sandine as well. Or Shen or, and and yeah. Sandine. Sandine was a puck mover. He's a yeah. skater. Yeah. Like you're taking away a little bit of, of, of style and, and rhythm and you've changed it with these guys. Well, I think what we're hitting on here is the identity crisis of, okay, you have said that we're trying to change the identity of this team. Are we still the speed and skill and hang on to the puck team, or are we going to try to do it different now? What would you say? You know, <laughs> you, right. you need to identify, you need to know what it is the coach and the team wants you to be. And to me, it would be foolish to try to be something different than you've been, but they changed so many people on the roster. I could see why guys on the team are like, yeah. And, and is this where, you know, your or others analytics kind of match what do you mean i mean what are the numbers telling us since that trade yeah it hasn't been good how much how much has dropped uh puck possession mm-hmm. uh you know quality chances yeah uh, down down uh down yeah. everything's down why because you added a few straight line players who dump and chase and don't like to hold on to the puck don't like to cycle don't you know how many times do we see involves skate a thousand miles an hour hit the offensive zone, hash marks, turn up, circle, turn in again, circle. Mm. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I'm just saying that that's not Lafferty. That's not Atari. And on top of that, on top of maybe a lack of identity, like the lines have been different every day. We don't come in here day to day and have a clue what the framework of the lines are going to be. Like it's yeah, Nylander on the third line, Bunting's on the top line, he's on the fourth line, Yarncroc's on the third line, he's on the second line. You know, like, w- they haven't had any sort of continuity. 
And so I'm starting to wonder how much time is too much time before you establish your playoff look. I wrote an article today on sportsnet.ca about their D pairs and just who's going to be in the lineup for them come game one of playoffs, game three of playoffs, and, and so on. I All right, know. so what did, what did you write? Uh, well, who do you I'll, like? Who do you, who's who's give, in? Who's out? I'm going to give you the, yeah, I'll summarize. Gustafson's out. Um, Justin Hall's in. I got Shen and Lilligren, depending on location. Like, at home, when I can get Shen on the ice against the guys I want, in the situations I want, I like having Shen, physical games, whatever. On the road, I kind of trust Lilligren to be okay, no matter who he's up against, where he's at. So, you know, that's... Gustafson to me is too, there's too much going back at your own net. His expected goals against when he's out there, lots happens the other way. Yes, he creates a ton, but I don't think the Leafs traded for another guy who takes chances defensively. I don't see him being in the lineup for them unless they, there's a real need. So Hall to me is the only guy he plays. You know, we've done this on this show, but plays 20 and a half minutes per night. He's their first PK Or he's in the stands. Well, yeah. One of the two. Yeah, I know. But they do. They lean on this guy. His defensive numbers are great. He defends the blue line well. He, he breaks the puck out. It just I can't pretend for all the people who don't like that he's not tough enough. I can't pretend he's not one of their best six guys. He is. So I don't know. So the Leafs go from a focus in September to November, December, January. We're watching. We've on many Shows talked about the growth of Sandine, Lilligren, and... And they're going to be in Washington who's, in who's, the stands. Who's better? <laughs> who's worse? Who's past? And yes, and you're telling me in game one, uh, one's in Washington and one may be a healthy scratch. Can you imagine trading for a guy like Luke Shannon not thinking game one is the right time to have a guy like that where... Maroon and Perry are trying to set the tone and run around like that's Shen's time, right? Lilligren, here's my, my uh, and I wrote this about Lilligren today. Here's my thing with him is that he just lacks special specialization. Like you don't want to put him on the ice when you need a goal because he's behind a number of guys in terms of being able to create, whether it's Riley or Gustafson or whatever. Yeah. He's not a defensive guy. He's fifth yeah. in PK time on ice. There's just when he, he doesn't have a clear use. You know what they call those guys? The third pair. Yeah. Well, do you want your third pair to be a guy who's not yeah. physical now? You know, this is the thing is that he kind of fits everywhere and nowhere. I like Lilligren. He drives the play the right way. It's unfortunately I have them. I have him as their six, seven right now. Okay. Um, I want to pick up a little bit on that with Gustafson after uh, we listened to Sheldon Keefe on uh, the team overpassing at times and looking. I, I thought at times we were just overpassing and trying to create the perfect shot, which it's not how you score on this guy. Uh, we need to get more more action, and I thought that could wear them down a little bit more, and we were unable to do that. So offensively, I thought we left a lot on the table here today. Uh, credit to the Islanders. They, they competed hard. It's very, very evident that this game is very important to them, and, and they're fighting for their playoff lives and trying to stay in their spot and all that, and that was evident tonight. But uh, you know, we didn't do enough to take advantage of, of some of the puck time we had, but we didn't give up very much through two periods. You know, the, the mistakes that we made, they made count, and the mistakes that they made, you know, we didn't make them pay for for the most part. Okay, I got a ton out of that, but the thing that stuck out, stood out to me was the fact that uh, 
he emphasized that uh, the game was very important to them, which suggests that he didn't think it was that important to his players. I think that's the message he's sending to his players is that it didn't look like it was that important to them. Because, yeah, obviously, you know where the Islanders are at. They are fighting with Pittsburgh and Florida for the final two wild card spots. And, I, you know, I, I don't even necessarily agree with that, though. Like, I, think of the, the goals. Like, Lilligren whiffs on that one, and they shoot it in the net. You know, Marner puts it in Riley's boots, who tries to kick it up, and they go the other way and score. Um, you know, Camp throws a grenade to Aston Reese, and they turn it over and score. Like, I just thought it was some bad turnovers, not an effort thing. All right, let's follow up with Sheldon Keefe on those turnovers. Uh, I mean, those are plays we usually make. Obviously, Lilligren, that one, he just whiffs on it. I don't know if you're going to practice that. It's it's a play that, you know, you need to make, and he, would, he will make. Um, you know, Mitch, again, you know, right after scoring, gives it back. Again, it's the type of play Mitch is going, going to make. Uh, more often than not, I don't think it's necessarily practice related. It's just it's an execution piece under pressure. You got to be able to make plays in those moments. Okay, uh, I'll start on the the Mitch Marner pass, and yeah, it was a horrible pass. Okay, yeah. but Sheldon, it it didn't begin and end with just a bad pass from Mitch Marner. No, I'm, I'm you watch that play, and first of all. They just scored to make it 3-2. Mm-hmm. You're in the third period. You're in the game. For sure. You're, you're, you're in the game, and in many ways, you still got great momentum coming off that goal. You're in good shape. I watch. There's a couple of things that stood out for me on that. Number yeah. one is, like, Morgan, where are you going? Yeah. Right? And, and like... The risk-reward of heel pickup there you, is you're not You're forcing ideal. the play. And you're really putting Mitch in a bad position now to give you a pass pass that's even if it's on the tape, they've got four guys lined up on the blue line. Brick wall with you are. So, you know, Mitch in his post game comment said, "Yeah, I probably should have just dumped it in. Even if Morgan had it, he he would have dumped it in as well." The thing, if you really go back and look at it, the thing that stood out for me is when Mitch made the pass. He's the last guy back. Mm -hmm. Where are your defense? Go watch Gustafson on that play. Yeah. This is the part where you go to your point. This is go watch that goal and it'll tell you everything there there is to know about mm-hmm. why you don't want him in in game one. Oh yeah. He's gone. Yeah. He's he's up at the blue line and he's actually standing still. I have no idea yeah. what he was doing. And then Morgan doesn't identify now that they're gonna get two and and watch the back check. Yeah. The only one that has a chance to catch Clutterbuck is Mitch. And where are your defense in a one game when a one goal game? Yeah, there's a play in the second period. I actually took a video of it on my phone. I meant to send it to you and Sammy uh, last night where there's good ozone stuff going on. The Leafs have a possession and Gustafson runs a scissor play and goes down. He's like below the goal line and Riley's up at the top and he sees an opportunity to, to jump down back door to get a pass. His other, his partner's on the goal line and he jumps down in. Nothing comes of it, but you know, like there's a time and a place to activate. Those two guys can't play together. They're both too offensive minded. Yes. You know, there's too much that happens both ways yeah. when they're out there. It's just not a good pair. And that's the backbreaker, right? Sure. 
Yeah, well, then that's, you know what, we have a clip on that. Uh, Sheldon Keefe talked about that, uh, about the team being dejected after that. Like I said, we got a good start. It was a great shift by yeah, Camp's line. You know, they hand it off uh, to Matthews and Martin coming out there, and those guys make a play. So all of a sudden, you're right there, uh, and then we make another mistake. And, and, and I thought, you know, from then on, it was tough sledding for us in terms of the engagement in the game. I thought that was, uh, we were pretty dejected after that one, which that was, that was disappointing and unfortunate. Yeah, and Mitch looked a little animated. Did you see him no. uh, frustrated after one, one four check? No. Yeah. So they're feeling it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's different last night, finally getting back to 12 and 6. And I know they've you know done it a few times, but it just, they still, they get behind a goal and the lines are different right away, right? Like they went back to Matthews and Marner and they went back to some of the stuff that had worked in the past. And I don't know, I, I just, I, I feel like they've been lacking any sort of consistent look out of this team. And it's starting to, you know, become evident that they're disjointed and not as, you know, that, that chemistry stuff is real, right? Like, got to play with the same guys sometimes, have a sense for what what to expect. Okay, part of the uh, issues with uh, the offense was the fact that John Tavares and Willie Nylander uh, did not contribute last night. Let's get uh, a thought from uh, Wee Willie on his play. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, I, I haven't been happy about my game. I've been pissed off about it. So, uh, yeah, it happens. You just got to take yourself out of it. You give yourself a pep talk, watch film. How do you do it? Yeah, I mean, just go back to watching games where I play good and, I mean, uh, get back to that kind of game, which I think was uh, was like tonight. Well, I, I thought, I thought all the right things. Good. Yeah, I thought he was good last night. You know, he, I think Sheldon mentioned he didn't get to the inside. But, I mean, he hung onto the puck. He skated. He did Nylander-like things. But, you know, Tavares didn't do much last night necessarily and... Is there a concern on Tavares? <laughs> yeah, there is a little bit. You know, uh, how long has it been since you felt like he's been really dynamic or dangerous? Like some of the older guys in the team, you worry as he gets towards playoff, are you going to get the best version of Tavares, the best version of Geo, the best version of some of the older guys? I mean, you almost think like maybe JT needs a day off or something, a game yeah. off. Bobby McMahon hurt his knee. He's out for some time, so I don't know that they have as much flexibility yeah. to do that sort of thing. But, like, when they get O'Reilly back and they get Nyes, you feel like they've got 13, 14 guys that are pretty good. But until then, I don't know if you can sit. You know, it's funny. Like, it's, they, they lose a game like that, and all I've heard is Matthew Nyes, Matthew Nyes, Matthew Nyes. The, the pressure that's going to be on this guy to come in and, and kind of shore up that left side. I can't. Do you think he'll be in? Like, like in, in playoffs, you think well, it's him or Zach Aston Reese? I, I would imagine that. I think the answer. He yes. will sign. He will get a game or two in the regular season to get his feet wet. And if he shows any signs of being able to physically handle it, I, I think he's in. But yeah. it would, to your point, probably be. Yeah, start him. Don't. Don't throw him into the deep end here. He should be in Aston Reese's spot, like fourth line play, because it's a good fourth line. It's not like you're playing with a bunch of pluggers, yeah. like it's Achari yeah. and, you know, Camp or, you know, something like that. So I just can't recall, you know, not that I followed every team closely with their college kids, but this one's going to feel like 
man, oh man, they're putting some weight on this kid's shoulders to come in and 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 help. Well, no you know, training camp, no yeah. nothing, just in the heat of been the playing competitive playoffs. Yeah. I, I know, but yeah. it's not NHL. No. You know who led, I think, I want to say a college conference in scoring, um, Zach Aston Reese. So just for context on like this kid's points, you know, you're not guaranteed to lead a college conference in scoring and come out and be an NHL star, right? Like Zach Aston Reese has been in the NHL for six years and he's a fourth line player. So I'm watching last night. Uh, he's got Aston Reese out on like one of the last shifts of the game mm-hmm. and he's like, in the zone as if he's going to go and make the score seven four. I mean, the guy scored, but pre NHL, <laughs> so did you. But I yeah. knew at the end of the day, yeah, I'm not going out there to score a goal late. Yeah. It's over. Just stay in your stay in your zone until the puck's out. Man. Fun, funny the difference between him and Achari looking at like, okay, we're down six two seven two. Here's what I need to do to help us get back in it. And Achari is like. I'm going to go fight Matt Martin and Aston Reese is like, I'm going to stretch for a pass. Uh, by the way, uh, thank you, you. Courtesy of Matt Martin for, uh, for not beating the life out of Achari last night. Uh, he had yeah. him in a pretty vulnerable spot. A, it, it was a weird, it was a weird fight for me. It was a weird fight. Yes. Like, was like, it like a super courtesy? Like I'll give you one here. Yes. It, it did not come off right for me. It's like, you hit our player, a very important player in, in Brock Nelson. Do you think that's what it was? I, I felt like it was like Achari being late in the game, needing to show some like no, chutzpah no, for the team. I, I think I, I think Matt Martin felt obligated to go send a message to a guy that he thought got hit from behind. And then like, are they pals or something? I, he didn't I don't seem know. To want to really hit and him, which that that that's, nice. that was my feel. I could be totally out to left field here, and maybe yeah. we're going to hear Achari's challenged him but like there, there's no upside for uh nola charity charity to just challenge him like matt martin who's I don't know. twice his size no and- but you've been on the bench when your team's down four and your coach is going does anyone have a pulse in here and that's like one of the things you do to show that you still care yeah, coach maybe you're right i, I don't know. know i didn't feel it I, I think it had more to do with the hit yeah okay it that, was I mean, tied towards the hit yeah and if matt was so upset with the Chari hitting him from behind, then, you know, finish him off. Don't don't go halfway and pat him on the back for showing up. That was as finish polite him. a fight as I've really seen. Really polite. <laughs> yeah. But Matt's a nice guy. He is. But, yeah, I still generally want to punch someone in that situation. A um, couple of notes from that game. That was the first time uh, this season Toronto has surrendered seven or more goals, uh, and the Leafs were – uh, had 19 giveaways in the game to New York in that game. So that, that was a theme. Now the Samsonov thing, is this a situation? He is not going on the rest of the road trip with the Maple Leafs. Uh, Joe Wool is going to join them. So you've got Matt Murray going to Florida. Welcome to the people who are joining us on 590, by the way. They're Blue Jay watching. Probably. Or listening. I don't know. Welcome anyway. Whatever you're doing before. <laughs> Um, but yeah, about Samsonov, who we were just discussing, uh, he has gone home to be there for the birth of his child. Did you hear his post game clips? No. What do you have to say? Um, yeah, he just kind of said, I'm going home and I got bigger things to worry about than hockey. Things to do than run with (laughs) your fools. Yes. 
Islanders were really good and I'm going home. Yeah. Well, I mean, tough one to sit on for him, but I understand he's got bigger things to do. So they go to Florida tomorrow night and then Saturday night they're in Carolina. And then the next day they're in Nashville. So they play in four cities in three or sorry, three cities in four nights starting tomorrow. Make that four cities in six nights. So that's a tough stretch for the Leafs. Well, and you know, they're, coming off uh, a loss as well as the Florida Panthers to Philadelphia last night. Talk so, about teams that want it. Like Florida's the ultimate team here trying to get in who's on the outside. They're actually in the second wildcard spot right now, one point ahead of Pittsburgh with a game, an extra game played than Pittsburgh. So these are huge points for them. They're going to get a great effort from that Panthers team. So I think we're all in agreement that Samsonov was not horrible last night, but you gave up six goals. It's that crack in the hey, door that Matt Murray just, in these conversations. But Matt's what? given up four goals a game Every too. Every game, I know. So how, how much can you say that they're great or they're doing well when you're still giving up a lot of goals? Yeah. I guess you just hope Tampa Bay keeps losing teams like Montreal. No. See that? They lose 3-2. I had suggested maybe about a week and a half ago that they should sneak in Joseph Wall. You see anything between as early as Florida? I think he'll play. Do you think he'll play well, over Samsonov, Matt Murray? If Samsonov hasn't had his kid yet and he's at home and they got three games in the next four days on the road, they're not going to make Matt Murray play three times. You know, we're definitely going to see Wool. So, you know, could Wool come in, pitch a shutout, and make everyone go, should we maybe see him one more time just in case? Florida's... Still one of the highest scoring teams in the league, are they not? According to my fancy metrics, they're the second best offensive team in the league. Yeah. Behind not sure, Edmonton. Not sure if I want to put Joseph in there Thursday. Well, listen, I don't want to put Matt Murray in either. So <laughs> No, I think you need to go back to Matt Murray on yeah. Thursday. Yeah, well, you definitely do. You de- I mean you're you're trying to get him ready and he's supposed to be your guy, so And what is Samsonov's record on the road? Is it one game under five hundred? Now it is six, seven, and one, yeah. They, they, 18 and two at don't, home. Don't you have to win a few times on the road just to kind of feel better about yourself? No, no, <laughs> well, no, what to feel better about yourself. Yeah. But like, can they just do a goalie rotation? Memory is pretty good on the road. I don't know. It's enough to make you a little bit uncomfortable. What do they got after Florida? Uh, after Florida, they go to Carolina on Saturday night. And then they'll be the very next day in Nashville at 6 p.m. That is one hell of a turnaround. Carolina to Nashville, probably no morning skate. Just first time they'll be at the rink is 4 o'clock on, on Sunday. So, little pet peeve of mine last night is at 5-2, I'm thinking the game's over. Pulling the goalie. I don't want to give up any more goals. Oh, I don't. No, 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 I, no, I don't. No, I totally disagree there. Why? Are you just going to punt on the game? Not punt on the game, yeah, but try. No, no, it's, oh, it's, don't give up. It's, no, it's just, you go, well, first of all, here's what, I, the other thing that bothered me yeah. is that, like, every time I see John Tavares, he's losing a draw. Okay. Yeah, but his numbers in the year aren't bad. I know, but last night it just yeah. wasn't working. So it's 5-2, and you're going to go get, have him take the draw. Go get camp, first of all. John couldn't have lost that draw any faster, and the puck couldn't have ended up in our empty net any faster. Yeah. 
I'd rather lose 5-2 than 6-2 or 7-2. I'm, wow. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I would. I mean, I get it. I but I, uncle, on giving up goals. They bother me. Giving up goals bothers me. I love it. It's, you know, you're six minutes left in the game. If you're going to come back on, you know, score three in the Islanders, you got to do it then. Make your push. If you don't score, then, you know, give them the sixth one and see you later. And that's essentially what happened. What did you make of the draw? So Tavares, the the four-on-four goal at the start of the second where Parisi yeah. taps it in on the back door. Yeah. I mean, cover, uh, it, coverage uh, mishaps. Are you more on the camp of... Uh, that's McCabe or that's Tavares? It's Tavares for me. You know, initially off the draw, I'd rather him just stick with his guy, right? Four and four, you just stick with Pajot who wins the draw. And, you know, and then McCabe would clearly know his guys coming down the wall. He could hand him off. I don't know. I just thought Tavares was not his best night in his return to Long Island. No. And, you know, he's a sensitive guy. Yeah. And that's just going to be one of those he could... They had a be straight up JT sucks chant last he, night. He, he could be in the league for another, you know, five years. And every time he's going to go back, back in there, it's going to feel horrible. Yeah. Yeah. That one, that one resonated. So we do have one more clip, but it's not on uh, this game. It's on Connor McDavid talking about last night. Shohei Otani versus Mike Trout. Oh, are we going there? Are, you... we, are we ready to have that discussion? Uh, should we bang through the the rest yeah, of the Yeah, let's leaf finish stuff. the leaf stuff. Okay. And then I, I I definitely want to get into that because you know where it's going with the World Cup of Hockey and yeah. the Olympics and, and all of that. So I definitely want to get into that in, right. in the second hour um as we slowly uh get towards closing off the show. One one more thought here on no TJ Brody mm-hmm. last night and And you give up seven. Well <laughs> maybe that guy quietly doesn't get enough credit for since signing with Toronto, just being a nothing stands out with him, but nothing is glaring on mistakes after mistakes yeah. after mistakes. And I, I thought, I thought it was a, a showing last night of what he's probably meant to that blue line. Yeah. You know, I, I think by some of the numbers, when you dig around, he is in the top five last time I checked at defending the blue line, like just in terms of rushes coming down at him and him denying entry. He's got that long stick. Like he never pounds anyone, but he just doesn't let people in the zone easily. And yeah, you don't really appreciate that sort of thing till it's gone, which I actually, I wanted to bring this up with you. It's something I think you and I have disagreed upon in the past. When I wrote this article in the Leafs D there's four guys that I have in the lineup in the playoffs, and it's Riley, it's Brody, it's Giordano, uh, and it's McCabe. And we're trying to figure out the pairs and who should play the most ice time. Can Giordano play second pair minutes? Because I think he's there, at least one of their four best defensemen. We're talking about him as he's one of the four locks. Like, he's playing 19 and a half minutes. Yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't want to run that night after night after night. He just does not have the legs. He doesn't have the quickness. He doesn't have the agility. He's got the heart. He's got the brain. You know, he can he get you through one round like that, and then you say, "Okay, now we'll readjust and figure out what else we can do." If if everyone else is going, I, I I think you you could probably find a way to 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 get away with that, but. There's no longevity in that. Like Geo McCabe as is, is sort of a shutdown. I, I, I don't necessarily like that you're in the last 
dozen games and he's sat all but one game out. I don't understand that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it'll be interesting to see if how that goes the rest of the way. Like I've said, I want to see what their playoff lineup looks soon. They got 12 games left at least. How about after this road trip? That's I'm going to dig in on that, but you know, I'm, I'm ready to see their not, playoff lineup as of March 29th. As Brad may will tell us in about seven minutes. It's not good. Well, it's not good <laughs> that you're asking me if Gio can play top four minutes every other night in the Stanley Cup playoffs when that spot should have been to either a Lilligren or Sandine. That's that's what the development was for four and a half years. Yeah. And that's a tough one to to ask. That neither of those guys a, took a step in a, a way that made you And go, now you okay, gotta go back to a forty year old and say, yeah. You play us play you play for us uh, twenty minutes a night and be really good and solid. That yeah, that kinda that's a tough one because you know I mentioned those four names are my four locks, and I mentioned um, Hall, you know, being in there for me personally, um, you know, and a little more flux fluctuation after that. But every, every time I come to this conversation where I'm like, he's one of your four best, you know, how does he not end up playing one of your top four minutes? But I understand his age, and you don't trust his ability to continue that. Man, it'd be tough over an intense seven game series seeing if he could handle Kucherov and crew in game seven, if he's a part of your shutdown pair. Well, you got a few challenges with a few people and that, that conversation is, can be thrown at Gustafson and it can be thrown at Luke Shen too. Like I, I I think they're undecided on, on what Luke Shen's going to bring them. Yeah. Are you locked in to say that this guy is, is strong at 10 to 12 minutes or are you going to push the envelope and go 15, 17 on some nights? You may not have any other choice. Yeah. But what's your thought here on on where ultimately Luke Shen fits in and how many minutes you're going to ask him to, to yeah, play? That's the tough part here is that, like, the guys they brought in as D-depth, as their depth guys, you know, they're, they're kind of one-dimensional guys, right? And you have to decide which dimension you need that day. Is it... You know, Shen, who is never going to put offense first, he's going to, you know, think about defense and toughness and physicality and all that. Or is it breaking the puck out and doing all those sorts of little things? So it is situational. I, I, you know, it's possible injuries make some of these decisions for them, but. Did uh, one final note on the offense, did kind of yarn come back down to earth a little bit or should we still pencil him in for first? Team All Star, <laughs> you're right. Like when when it doesn't when he doesn't shoot it in the net, I couldn't have I didn't notice him. I didn't notice if he was in the game last night. He's not driving lanes open. Do you know how long it's been since Kerfoot scored? It's been. No, we had this conversation a month and a half ago, and it was like at, at twenty it's, something. It's twenty five now, twenty five games. So he went he went a long period of time. And then I think he got an empty net goal. And then now it's a really long time again. Yeah. And he's played with very good players. Like it's in his head more than I've never seen anyone have as much ability as him. This snake bit, like one hit off Matthew's knee. One went off Lafferty's God knows what yesterday. Like sometimes pucks just go in. Nothing can go in off him. Can we petition to have his uh, game winning shootout goal in Ottawa count? As a real goal? Yes. Probably. 
He looked genuinely surprised by it after he scored. He's like, ooh, a seal. It crossed the line. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to bring back Mayday. Brad May, former National Hockey League player uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs, Stanley Cup champion. He'll break it all down for us after the break. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Real Kipper and Bourne. This is Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. A reminder, in the second hour, Ken Reed, co-host of Sportsnet Central, will join us. Best-selling author, too, like you. Hey, and like you. All of us have that in common. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to that. In the meantime, let's bring in Brad May, someone uh, very familiar to our show. Always a pleasure to bring you on, Mayday. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Yeah, we're hanging in there. You know you, you know the roller coaster here in Toronto when it comes to the Leafs, right? Plan the parade or, you know, let's... Let's bail on them. It's one of the two, isn't it? Uh, it's it, it's crazy. And you know what? Obviously, history has been tough on the Toronto Maple Leafs, but this is the time of year. I know it's down the stretch, but they put themselves in a good position to you know be where they they are currently um, in second place. And you know, at the last ten games, they've been five hundred. They've kind of been muddling, but you need full commitment, a buy-in from all all players, and um, they've had some passengers. But at the end of the day, I don't think they're in trouble here at all. Obviously, yesterday was a tough one, but um, they have some games that they can win coming up. But they also have some real desperate teams, and tomorrow would be one of them, the Florida Panthers. They play them three times in the next 12. Yeah, you know, before we get into that, I mean, you use the word muddling, and it's not just the Leafs, but I'm looking around the league too, and there's some teams who should be desperate, as desperate as the Islanders looked last night, it's just not there. Is there anything that you remember in, in your day as a player? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of baffled at this, but there's something to be said about a dozen games to go and maybe some guys physically, mentally, emotionally tired. Well, you know, what? I, I would say, yeah, it's probably more mental. Um, listen, these guys are conditioned. They're physical. They're good, great athletes. I'm sick and tired of hearing anybody that says they're physically tired. Tired's a state of mind, and they got to be, you know, at the end of the day, you got to somehow muster up the energy to play, you know, 60 minutes or whatever the breakdown of that would be. But down the stretch, a lot of bad teams win games. And because they're almost like a night off before, you know, three weeks from now, nobody wants to get hurt blocking a shot and breaking a foot. 10 games before the playoffs, the, the actual passion and the commitment to do whatever it takes kind of wanes when you play these sub 500 teams. And, um, you know, I, I, I just, I just see across the league that Vancouver Canucks are, are dominating. They're playing great. Coyotes are winning games. Buffalo Sabres look good every once in a while. Um, these are all teams that are out of a playoff spot. And I don't think you have to look into that. However, you can't turn it on like a switch. And um, the Toronto Maple Leafs, they have to find a way to win these tight games that they're in and can't let them blow out. 
Mayday, do you think there's anything to the idea of like a team identity crisis where they're just not exactly sure how they want to play? Like they added these gritty guys, a lot of intangibles. They can dump, chase, hit, do all those sort of things before they were this puck possession team, whatever. Right now they look a little bit disjointed, kind of stuck between these two identities and trying to figure out what they really are. Well, listen, the last 10 games have certainly spoke of that 500 hockey. Um, if you don't know who you are today, you know, after a you know, lengthy season, you're in trouble. Yeah. And, and they better figure that out. If, if that's the case in that locker room, um, I, I wouldn't be confident. That's not a good thing. Um, yeah, you, you add some players, but those players just bring the energy that they have to bring. The other players don't have to change their game if, if they're not willing to, right? Um, if that's all they have. But you got to know your players after six months of hockey. And if there's question marks, that's not a good thing. But um, I, I think this team is poised and ready. They're thinking ahead down the line. And guess what? They're not in the present. They're not in the moment. And if you're not playing like that, you can't win consistently. So they have to get their focus back immediately. And um, they're on a, you know, the next few games on the road. Not going to be easy. They got some tough games, um, but maybe that's what they need. We're talking to Brad May, Stanley Cup champion with the Anaheim Ducks, former NHLer. Mayday, you mentioned adding players after a lengthy season, but we are talking about almost a third of your roster. And is it just added energy or is it a, a, a different style that that maybe some that have been here a lot longer are trying to adapt to? And is it taking longer here than, than what Leaf fans would have hoped? Well, I guess time will tell. Um, they're in a good position. They're not going to ca- catch the Boston Bruins. We haven't thought that for many months, obviously, right from the outset of the season, quite honestly. Um, they're in a good position. They've got a dozen games to get themselves prepared. They have to all get on the same page. I think it's just a buy-in. It's a mental, you know, it's it's the it's a focus element um, with this group. And at the end of the day, the top players are playing with the same guys, right? Your top lines are playing, you know, offensively sound hockey. All of that. Who cares what happens on the bottom six? Those guys are all new. Well, they have to figure it out how to play the way they're capable of playing. But at the end of the day, they lost last night, and, and they had a good good start. I mean, they were in the game. A few mistakes hurt them, cost them. But um, the one thing I did hear out of Sheldon Keefe was he was concerned about their offense. Don't be concerned about your offense when the whole mandate is to be able to win these tight games and play better defense and not make those bonehead errors, you know, that, you know, at the blue line, back in your net, um, you know, a giveaway that was just a lack of focus, plenty of time to get rid of the puck uh, on Lilgren. Um, these are these are mental errors, and you got to get you got to get yourself focused. What did you think? I uh, don't know if you saw the Achari hit on Nelson or the fight on Martin. Did you see how that played out last night, perchance? You know, I, I I missed it exactly how it happened. I saw the saw the fight, but um, yeah, I I, I did strange miss fight, that. hey? You know what? I I I enjoy the spontaneous combustion, that passion that you see like that, um, it's energy building or certainly should be. Um, obviously for New York, they, they got, they got a little bit of the momentum from that. 
Just one thought on, on Matt Martin, too. There had to have been an element. Either he knew that Achari may have been out with a concussion. Or, That's interesting. Or Achari maybe told him, maybe. <laughs> Don't punch me yeah. in the head. <laughs> yeah, just not the face. Not, not the body face. Body shots only? Yeah, body shots only, <laughs> not the face. Well, yeah, guys, it's, it, it is amazing. Um, listen, if a player has a concussion or isn't quite capable of playing or fit to play, then he should not be in the lineup. That the day he, the moment he puts his skates on, he's as fair game as everyone else. Or certainly in my opinion, he is. Um, I, at the end of the day, that's nobody else's problem, but the player that's actually laced his own skates up, if he's not prepared or he shouldn't be playing. So that's, that to me is, is a moot point. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that excuse whatsoever. How about are you buying for the Toronto Maple Leafs that, yes, they're 500 in their last 10 games, but the Tampa Bay Lightning are struggling? I know you're not, a, you're not feeling the tired excuse or whatever it may be for Tampa, but they're reeling a little bit here, and, and Leafs fans are kind of digging that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if they had played harder or if Toronto, listen, the gap is tight, right? Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, there's a lot of teams that are in the same situation that aren't playing great hockey right now. And it's all a matter of focus down the stretch. I, I would imagine, and I, and I would almost bet my house on, that Toronto's going to get on a roll. They have some winnable games after this road trip. Um, but this road trip's a big one. Florida's fighting for their lives, and they play Florida three times. You know, that's, what is that? That's 25% of the games left against the Florida Panthers. So, um Listen, they're fighting for their lives. Toronto better be ready. And, you know, it's, again, I really do believe um, it's about focus. It's about, of course, playing to the team system. But each, each player knows how they have to play and, and what they need to do to be successful. And no more excuses. Just get the job done. I'm watching goals go through Vasilevsky and Tampa Bay that I, in, in, in a longer stretch than I've, I've ever seen before. Yet, I don't care if... He gives up four a game, and they lose every single game from here on end. That team will feel very good about Vasilevsky in game one just based on the stock that he's built. I'm not sure Leafs feel the same way about their goaltending, and Samsonov has been terrific, but all of it's come at home here, Brad. So tell me, like, how do the Leafs now, is there enough time for, for the Leaf players to feel great about their goaltending going into game one? I mean, I think about you and your career, whether it was Dominic Hoshik or Jaguar in, in Anaheim, and you didn't have to think twice about getting great goaltending. No, and it's such an important factor. Like, truly, if you know your goaltender or, or believe that your goaltender is going to make the save, certainly at the opportune time, I'm a faster player or the, you know, I can cheat. I can anticipate where that puck is headed, not where it is at current, you know, in the moment. The bottom line is teams are faster when they trust their goaltender. It's easier to break out of your zone because those hard rim plays are automatic. The, the tape to tape passes. Toronto wasn't sharp. They haven't been that sharp over the last 10 games. They certainly, they still, they, they show flashes of brilliance for sure, but, Goaltending makes a difference that way. And you're right. The Tampa Bay Lightning, they have utmost confidence in Vasilevsky. And I think Toronto, it, we're still asking ourselves, who's going to be the number one? I think it is Samsonov. But really, we're having that conversation 70 games into the season. Oh, yes. that's, that, that, that could be problematic. 
Well, I mean, a number of things that the Leafs are leaning on is that one of the two goalies is going to be fine, but, you know, you don't want to spend two games being wrong about which one you go with. And then the other one is that Matthew Nyes is going to be able to step in and be of some value to them. What are your thoughts on a guy stepping into the NHL for the first time a couple of days before playoffs and uh, ability to, to contribute? Well, I like that. I mean, but, but, we're talking about stopping the puck. I mean, you know, <laughs> that, that's quite a transition from the goaltending to, you know, the emergence of a new player. And by the way, teams that go on and have unbelievable playoff runs, a lot, a lot of times, a college player or a young junior player, or somebody new from the from the minors, steps into the lineup and, and, and brings that energy. So, um, I think it's a good opportunity. But again, seventy games in the season, and if this is really what you're actually looking. for, for to get a spark you got problems if that's the case did you did you make the nhl out of training camp did you get called up from rochester i'm just wondering about like your experience to kind of come in into an environment and like all of a sudden the lights are brighter there's media there's tv cameras uh i i just imagine what it would feel like for matthew nyes to come in in a playoff environment on on a team that has the biggest media market in the world? Well, I'll, I'll give you an example of a player. So my career, I was for, I say fortunate, but my career started in Buffalo out of training camp, and I didn't play in the minors, Nick. So, oh, you um, didn't? I, I didn't, so I came right from junior. Oh, right you're Buffalo. one of those guys, spoon-fed. I always like telling people that, too. <laughs> <laughs> But, but you know what, I'll, I'll tell you a story about a young player that did come out a junior. I was playing for the Colorado Avalanche the year after the lockout in 2004, the first season back. We faced the Dallas Stars. We finished fifth in our conference. They were fourth, so we, we faced um, Dallas. We went in and we beat Dallas in five games. And a young player named Wojtek Wolski was, came in from junior from, the I believe it was the North Bay Brampton or North Bay Battalion, whatever team he played for there, and he lit it up. He, he got on a line with Joe Sackick. He on the power play, he scored. I, I want to say he scored three or four goals in that first round against the Dallas Stars, and we actually, you know, rolled over Dallas, and they were the favorite going into that playoff series, or you know, certainly from their record. Um, a young player can bring that energy and excitement, and you know what, the other players. They're not jealous at the, at that time of the year. They just want to win, and you can focus on what, doing what you do. But if a Matthew Nyes can come in and actually have success, you know, immediately, that is a that is a shot in the arm, and that's a that's a big bonus. But I don't know if you want to bet the farm on that. But um, there's no doubt he's a he's a blue chip prospect. I skate with Voltec on Thursday mornings. Oh, do you? Yeah, my lines hit me, him, and the Big E. Come on. Oh, yeah. My college roommate changed his number because he liked watching <laughs> Wolski so much. He was, he was a big Wolski oh, fan. Oh, my God. He's so good, yeah, too, so right talented, now. I'm yeah. like, hey. I, can't, I can't keep up with you, bud. <laughs> hey, Nick. Nick, this guy, just the same thing. Young players, they have the ability to not understand what's fearful or, or, or fearsome to them. You know, I, I, I think of Wojtek. He just played. He played because he loved it, but he also is coming off a – a year where he's very confident. Yes. And the same would be for Matthew Knight. So many NHL players, we play to survive. We play to not make the mistake. We play to, 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 
eliminate time and space from the other guy. And if we're even at the end of the match, that's how you become a long term, long time journeyman pro. But if you really want to make a difference, you got to take, you got to take chances. And sometimes young players, you know, thrust in these situations like a Cole Caulfield in, in uh, Montreal a few years back, you know what, just go play, shoot the puck from everywhere where you and I, Nick, if we shot the puck from outside the dots and it didn't hit the net, we're being sat in the bench, right? You know, if you miss it on the far side, yeah. you know, and, and the puck rims around the boards, all of a sudden you're on your ass on the bench and young players, they're, they're not fearful of that because they've had confidence and they've been playing unencumbered for so long that they don't have that scar tissue mentally. And I think that's an issue. So I like the, I like the, the, you know, I say emergence, but of a young player, if, if he's good enough to play, I'd welcome that every, every day, every year, but I'm not betting the farm that that's going to happen. And we don't for success. Brad, last one for me, uh, you know, in trying to sort everything out for the Leafs, it's obviously the new guy, it's goaltending, it's all these different things. One of the things that may happen is they may go 11 forwards and 7D. Do you have any thoughts on how that can work, should work, and if they should do it? Listen, I, I'm actually, I, I look at these teams, play your best players, look at the, you know, what certainly when you come down to the playoffs and you get, we right now they're playing the 10th Bay Lightning, right? Depending on who Ted Bay's playing and how you can match up best, if it's eight defensemen, play them with you know right. with ten forwards. At the end of the day, I, I want to say the top you know twenty to twenty four minutes are going to be eaten up by your top seven players on the on, you know forwards, you know maybe eight players. Your 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 bottom six are going to be playing spot duty, or at least ten minutes. You know, I, I'm actually not worried if if I if I have Mitch Marner and I have a, a healthy O'Reilly and I have players that I can actually move throughout the lineup. Listen, double shift the guys that are playing and playing well, and then it's all about matchups. Eight defensemen, seven defensemen. You know what? If Tampa's on a roll, guess what? You can actually shut them down a little bit. Um, I'm a, I'm a guy. I, I take chances on 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 playing more defense if if they're more capable. You know, regardless of uh, 12 or 6 or 11 or 5, you know, Mayday, I, I, I don't remember too many players that I played with, at least forwards, that either they they didn't know who they wanted to play with or who they thought would best fit them as uh, line mates. Everybody knew in their mind who they wanted to play with or who they thought that could bring out the best of their game. Leaf players show up every day and they have no idea who's playing with who. It's just, uh, as I call, I refer to them as the bingo bangle balls of the head coach, right? Just pull out a number and put them together. But, you know, generally, am I right to say that we, we are creatures of habit? We, we don't like surprises. We don't want to come into a, a practice and guess what Jersey we're wearing here. How important is it for Sheldon uh, to, to, to lock in some, some lines here? Again, seventy games in, we're having this discussion. Yeah. We've got we've got problems if that's an issue. If that's an issue, um, bottom line is as a player, and I'm speaking solely from that perspective. There's nothing worse than driving the practice between games, not knowing who you're actually practicing with, whether you're wearing a yellow jersey or a brown jersey or whatever the colors are. Right, the color scheme. 
the worst. The top top two lines, for the most part, know who they're playing with, or certainly know that they're going to get the looks and and get that those touches on you know practice situations, whether it's power power play, penalty kill. For the third and fourth line players, if you don't know who your third line is, the top best three defensive players with energy that are going to change momentum and 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 change game the complexion of a game. If we're worried about that seventy games in a year, that's that's problematic to me. But for the fourth line guys, and the fourth line of course looks different today in today's hockey than it once did. But you know what? If these players are worried about reading between the lines and not just worried about getting there, playing, practicing, doing the best job they can with excitement, the best time of their life. That's an issue for me. So they better figure that out if that's if that's there in that locker room. And you know what? The leadership group should actually talk, right? The players, if this is an issue, the players have to go and talk to the, the, to the coaches. Somebody has to recognize that because that is a problem. Oh, my gosh. There's some practices I'd, you'd walk in, and when, when there was a, like a, a legit top six guy, yeah. all of a sudden find himself with like a, a green color Everything. that's Woo-hoo! for the fourth line. <laughs> And and you could you could see him sink right yeah. into the dressing room, and you knew he was done the rest of the day, right? You, you ever seen anyone actually change color in practice? Like the coach <laughs> says, you two switch jerseys because I've seen hey, that. You know the worst part is is when that guy actually looks like that because he's been put on your line. Hey, listen, that's when you want to you know thump your teammate. So yeah. it's like you know wake up. That's where body language. Body language is everything in a team atmosphere, a locker room. Body, and that energy is, is infectious. And I'll tell you what, infectious positively, and it can erode the confidence of a team. If you get a couple bad apples in a locker room being selfish, hey. um, not, not a good look, guys. But worse, if, if the other guys are upset that they have to play with you. <laughs> body, body language never lies. It, not, it doesn't. It, it's, that's that's the ultimate lens to character, I believe. But you never had that problem because you were always locked in with uh, Patty LaFontaine in Buffalo. Un- until Patty showed up and he looked green and didn't want to practice with me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mayday, great stuff, yeah. pal. Really appreciate it. Uh, you guys are the best. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much. Brad May. Uh, so... Willie Nylander started on the third line. Yeah. Oh, he loved that as a third line. You're like, I get built today. Throw it to him. Let him do the work. How, how long did that last? Nah, not very long. Right? Yeah. And he's got to get him going. Yeah. And I appreciate that he said all the right things. He didn't bury him last night, but this guy either produces or he's no good. Last night, the Leafs had 31 shot attempts for when he was on the ice and eight against. When Willie was on the ice, he was by far the most dominant in that regard. So, yeah. I mean, they played in the Islanders end when he's out there. He didn't get any points, but I thought he was a more effective version of They've himself. They've got pressure. Him and JD have pressure to alleviate uh, Marner and Matthews. That's, they're not going anywhere without those two guys. Somewhere between Ryan O'Reilly and Tavares and William Nylander, they're going to need, I don't know, eight goals. They're going to need... A real significant contribution from that group. I, I don't know the answer to this question. Is Ryan O'Reilly with them right now? Is he traveling with them? Is he skating with them? Don't know. I would hope that he is. Just being a part of it all? And- 
Yeah, I imagine. It will. Also, though, I wonder what his situation like in terms of getting settled here in Toronto. Yeah, is he still in That's hotels? Any place like Jake but McCabe? It's important. His family's moving up. He's looking for a house. He's still moving it, in. They're they're missing. Like, yeah, no, you got to be a part of it. Hundred percent. They're missing key times for Ryan O'Reilly to be a leader right now. And, and they, yeah, like last night they were missing one. Yeah, they were. It, there was no presence of of leadership last night, yeah. and we know who their leaders are, and will be down the road here, but last night is one of those games where I think Ryan O'Reilly could have settled them down a little bit. Yeah, you're right, and I don't know if they would have left Long Island last night and headed to Florida uh, post game, but you know today, they're sitting in a room somewhere, and Keith is talking about what they want to do differently, like you want a guy who hasn't been a part of the team taking in all those sort of lessons. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to get uh, Ken Reed, co-host of uh, Sportsnet Central. He's going to join us, best-selling author. This guy does it all, and he's got his opinions, and you're not going to want to miss them. That plus more JB and yours truly after the break. This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Real excited for our next guest. Um, I was a little disappointed when Ivanka said she wouldn't come on her show, but I was thrilled to hear that this guy would fill in for Ivanka. Let's welcome in Ken Reed, co-author uh, of uh, some amazing books out there. I want to get into that, Ken, and of course, uh, Sportsnet Central, man. How are you? I'm good, boys. Uh, always honored to fill in for Ivanka, and I have my own Wojtek Volsky story, if you want to hear it. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. off the bat, Let's baby, go. right off. Well, it's funny, during, uh, during the pandemic, right, the early parts of it when you could still get ice, my, my little guy and a guy that you play hockey with on Thursday called me up. We got our little guys out there, and Wojtek Volsky showed up with his little guy. So Come on. there you go. And uh, I saw Wojtek at a Leafs game last week, and I said, buddy, you're everywhere all the time. He's always traveling. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to Colorado to ski tomorrow, so. That's my Wojtek Volsky connection. Beauty nice. guy. What a life. Nice. Great and how many uh, uh, Volsky's uh, uh, hockey cards do you have? I, You know what? There might be one or two hanging around, but Kipper, I got way more of yours because I was into this. I don't have much stuff post-1992, so I got lots of Nick <laughs> Kiprios, very few Wojtek Volskys, and if I was an East Coast Hockey League collector, I might have a, a Borny in there, but I, I never got down to that, to that level yet. <laughs> so how, how did it start? The hockey, the hockey cards and then eventually uh, uh, writing a book on them? Yeah, I guess same as any other Canadian kid, right? Collected hockey cards. I, Borny, as you know, I got a ton of your dad. I think I, yeah. I even gave you some for, for your little guy. You're the best. But, uh, yeah, oh, thanks. Uh, keep, you can keep saying that. Put that on a, on a loop. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, just like any other Canadian kid, you know, I spent my allowance on hockey cards, and, and I grew up in a small town, so the only really real way to see the guys play was on Saturday night, or if you want to know what they look like, if it was a Vancouver Canuck, you had to get a hockey card of Harold Snaps. So I just got into them. I, I devoured the stats, and I devoured the, the fact on the back that it said Derek Smith of the Buffalo Sabres is one of the most eligible bachelors on the Sabres. I remember that. <laughs> Pat, Pat Hickey's cartoon on his 77 78 OPG was Pat drives a big Jeep in the off season. So Tom Fergus had two German shepherds. So um, I just devoured them. That's where I got my hockey information. And uh, then when, when value took off, I, I kind of had a lot of cards I could unload because I had tons of doubles. And, you know, like a lot of other guys, I discovered these things called girls as I got older. So the hockey cards went away. 
<laughs> and then I got married. So then a girl becomes your boss and then you don't have much fun. So I got back into hockey cards. <laughs> the circle of life. Yeah, no, I'm familiar <laughs> with how that... <laughs> <laughs> I did just take my daughter to Disney immersive. So that may be on my mind. Oh, um, yeah, it's okay. So what's the deal? I see you like on Instagrams. So if you're opening up fresh packs of cards from 1990, whatever, how the, how does yeah. that happen? You know what? There's there's packs everywhere. So if you go to like Chesswood Arena and Westwood, they have a machine that sells old packs. So whenever my little guy plays there, I'll buy a pack. And I got tons of old wax packs around the house and stuff like that. And I opened one the other day, Kipper. And honestly, you were in there. It was your rookie card, the the ninety Opeachy. And I, I love that story you told me, Kipper, about the first time you saw it was when you got off a bus or something. Yeah, on the road, Chicago, and uh, yeah. we had pulled into uh, the Drake and. For the life of me, I'll never understand like a nine-year-old kid at 3 a.m. waiting for the team bus <laughs> to get his hockey card signed. Yeah. And I'm coming off the bus, and kid goes, can you sign a hockey card for me? And I'm like, I don't have one. He goes, yes, you do. And I said, hey, kid, it's 3 a.m. in the morning. I'm going to bed. Yeah. He says, no, you have one. And he shows it to me, and it's the Opeachy card. I love and it. You would have thought I just won the lottery, man. I'm you like, take it and run. No, I gave him twenty bucks and then I ran. <laughs> Did you really? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I said, here, kid, here's twenty bucks. You ain't getting this card back. Thanks a lot. No you could probably and, sell and, it for nineteen today. And I, honest to oh, God, God. I, it was like Christmas. Yeah. I couldn't yep. stop looking at it. Yeah. No. It was like an out of body experience seeing yourself on an Opeachy hockey card that still smelled like bubble gum. Beautiful. I mean, all the guys I talk to for my books on them, uh, they're all, you know, everyone always asks ex-players, you guys know this, what was your welcome to the NHL moment? Well, for a lot of guys, getting the card is validation. Like, I'm legit sure. now, right? You know what's for me, and, and it's not... When you had to earn them, you know? For sure, and it, for, it's not quite that on that level, but for my era, you know, just being in the farm system was in the video games when your player could get called yep. up, and you could play NHL 2008, and I could get called up to the Islanders. I was in the system. Amazing. That was really? just mind-blowing to me, my brother sending me screenshots of that. That was a good time oh. for me. See, that's awesome, Borny, because that's like the validation for like the digital generation. It's like I right? exist. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, oh, that's cool. so cool. If I had a video game with me on it, I'd play it all the time. That'd be awesome. <laughs> So listen, we, we, we want to get your thoughts on a few things because, yeah. you know, we, we love watching you and Ivanka uh, every night, but there's, I, I get a sense that you could say so much more on your highlights, but you yeah. just don't have time. It's, it's, a, right. it's a whole show here. So now you got some breathing room here. So we want to get your thoughts on, you know, the, the Leafs, the changes that they've made, and maybe we're not seeing them, uh, you know, come to fruition just yet here, yeah. but your, your thoughts on on the, the changes that they made and then, you know, unfortunately not seeing the, uh, the results last night. Yeah. Well, I loved the trade for O'Reilly because, you know, he needed a little great. He needs some veteran, a veteran guy who's been there, done that. I love that trade. Unfortunately, he got injured, but he'll be back. I love the trade for Shen because you need a defense man, M-A-N, not just a defenseman. You know, you need somebody that, that <laughs> plays a little rough around the edges. So I love that. Born. You know, I like that stuff. Kipper, you know, I like that stuff. Like, I, I texted Fuda. Last night, after one of the Islanders' goals, I go, how many Leafs does it take to fish for the puck before an Islander scores in the blue paint? Apparently, the answer is four. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the answer is four. So I'm like, hit somebody, for God's sake. Like, they still just don't have that that playoff type of of game, I don't think. Maybe that'll change in the playoffs. But um, I I love those two trades. Uh, I heard Mayday on. It's kind of weird. We're still talking about a goalie 70 games in, so... 
Yeah, I mean, if I'm looking at them going up against Tampa Bay, the first place I judge is in the crease. The second place I judge is on the blue line. Advantage, advantage Tampa in both spots. So I think the Leafs are in top again. But I'll give Dubas credit. I think he went a little bit outside of his playbook on a couple of those trades. So I think that takes courage. I, I like the trades. I just don't know if they they got the horses to take out Tampa. Still skeptical there. That's fair. You know, the the question I've had with people is like, you know, if the grit isn't in the core, you know, the yeah. core guys who are going to play most of the game, can you tape it on enough around it? Does Tampa struggling a little bit at least give you a little bit more hope for, for the Leafs? I think it gives you hope, but I also think it's kind of like, okay, didn't they done that, boys? Let's let's gear up. So, you know, I, I don't think they, they know that their season isn't exactly on the line here in the last 10, 12 games of the regular season aren't yeah. really when it matters. So I think they're probably – they're probably gearing up, but yeah, what you say about the core there, I mean, look, I'm not going to diminish the skill. The skill on the guys is phenomenal, but I don't know what the grit is on those, on those top four guys up front. Ken, do you have a theory on why we can watch the Islanders last night look real desperate, but we don't necessarily get that out of a, a Calgary or a Winnipeg <sighs> or well, the Leafs last night? The Calgary stuff's wild, eh, with the stuff that maybe some guys don't want to play for Sutter. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, geez, it was funny. I got home from work the other night, and the Edmonton game was on, the Calgary game was on. I'm like, okay, I think I'll watch the Flames. It was 6-1 Kings after two when I got home, and I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I, I just don't understand that lack of desperation, and I don't know if they've quit on the coach, but I think that's a, an assumption you could make when you look at something like that. Um, I mean, they looked good last night, but they were playing Anaheim, which aren't exactly the 77 Montreal Canadiens. But um, for the Leafs last night, I just take that game and I flush it. I mean, could you imagine if Otani served up softballs to Trout like that when they were trying to clear the zone? <laughs> Holy smokes! It was pizza night on Long Island. That was. It was funny. They they showed a montage during the game of, of the Leafs turnovers, and I said to Ivanka, I go, I don't know, maybe it's just bad ice. And I'm like, Oh no, that wasn't bad ice. No, that wasn't bad ice. No, that wasn't bad ice. So. Yeah, that was it was just an off night. I, I I don't know, guys. What do you think? It's one of those games you just kind of flush. I think. I think. Yeah, and I, you know, and even Sheldon didn't seem to hate their game that much. He kind of just yeah. felt like a couple of, as you mentioned, pizzas go the wrong way. Yeah. They shoot it in your net, and it looks a lot worse than it is. Exactly. Flush that one a little bit. Wanted to ask you about some other stuff around the hockey world because we don't get you on very much. One of the things that I thought you might have some insight on is the QMJHL banning <laughs> fighting. You know, I thought you might you might go there, Borny. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. then, you know, I, I'm assuming you're in favor of it and you're glad to see that there won't be any more fighting. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's funny. We, uh, Tim and I have the, the commissioner of the Q on tonight. And, you know, I'm going to I mean, I'm not going to attack the guy. He's a guest in, on our show, but I'm going to ask him fair questions, I think. But I think it's a joke, to be honest. Um, fighting is pretty much eliminated from the Q as it is. I mean, you get five and a ten. There's a fight every eight games, I think, spec. We wrote the other day, Mark Spector. I, I looked up the stats on HockeyFights.com. The team with the most fighting majors in the league is Charlottetown with 19. The Ramparts have one. I mean, Kipper, North Bay used to get 19 on a weekend, I'm guessing. <laughs> the Sioux involved for sure. Yeah, I mean, so so to me, fighting's pretty much been eliminated as it is. So I don't know what the rush to do this is because I think every once in a while when a guy crosses the line on the ice, he's got to pay the price and uh, you know, I said that on Twitter, and of course, everyone's like, you're advocating bare-knuckle fighting, a 21-year-old beating up a 15-year-old. I'm like, well, first off, if you watch junior hockey, there's maybe two 21-year-olds who just turned 21 after after Christmas. And secondly, 
20-year-olds don't fight the 16-year-olds. We all know that, unless something totally goes off the rails. So I I just think it's – I don't know what the rush to do it is. I don't know what the, I don't know, politically correct uh, term is for for trying to to get rid of all the dirty work and make hockey so fun. And, you know, sometimes you got to punch a guy in the face. (laughs) Love it. I'm the dinosaur. (laughs) Yep. Kipper. When people send me a, a gift and it shows old man, old man shakes hand at cloud and they call me a dinosaur, I could not be happier. To me, that is the biggest compliment. I am. Sometimes you got to get punched in the face. That's just the way the world works, and it applies to the ice as well. And it's, right you know, to the bitter like end. Love it. Right. Um, yeah. Any any sense that uh, the Ontario or the Western League will feel differently here? They're under one umbrella. We know that at the yeah. CHL, but like. Like it doesn't sound like uh, the o, the no. uh, the O or the W are are in a hurry to follow these footsteps here. This could get it, this could get really ugly or interesting. One of the two, I think so. And I mean, kids have always chose major junior because they're thinking, okay, it's the fastest route. It mimics the NHL more than college hockey. Um, it look if I'm Paul Korea and it's 1992 and I can go to the dub or I can go to NCAA, I'm going NCAA. I mean, you know, but, but you, I think it should be open to how it suits your game. And if you're a young kid and you're rough around the edges now and you're growing up in the Maritimes or Quebec and you'd like to play major junior, you're not going to go into major junior thinking I'm going to fight 30 times this year because that just doesn't happen anymore. Right. But you might be thinking, you know, if I got to drop the gloves four or five times, that's cool. I mean, in the all right now, if you drop them three times, you get suspended. So it's, to me, fighting's kind of, it's going away. But it'll always be there, so I don't see what the big rush is to, to just hammer the door shut right now. But isn't it great that it's going away naturally, and it's the the play. Ultimately, it's the player's decision, and it's their discretion to use it when they want to use it, and they haven't really felt the need to use it. But at least it's their decision, right? Exactly, and I think. I mean, we live in a world where everybody's telling you what to do at all times. And, and sometimes it has to be the Wild West. And sometimes in the Wild West, you know, old Wyatt Earp wouldn't pull the pistol out. He'd walk away. And I, I like that. I mean, I, I love seeing a scrap. I love when a scrap happens and it's heat of the moment. I mean, I used to cover the queue when it had Peter Orwell and Jody Shelley and Francois Paget, Joel the Animal Terrio, and they'd just go to go, right? You want to get your pins up, you're going to have a go. But when it happens organically, it happens. And the fact that it's just kind of going away, that's fine. But the option to, to have a go should still be there, if you ask me. Yeah, it, it, you know, it does seem like, um, you know, as you guys mentioned, that it's sort of uh, naturally working its way out. And it is weird to kind of rush things along. It probably changes the look of that league in terms of who wants to play there and, and what it does for it developmentally. Um, yeah. You know, that I just think also, Kenny, don't you think, like, I watch UFC. Like, I love watching fighting. I like watching yeah. boxing. Yeah. Uh, you know, is there some acceptance when you play a professional sport like hockey that you are getting involved in something physical, that intimidation is a part of it, and that's just another element? There should be. That's not around anymore. Uh, yeah. Remember Zegris last year? The guys, the guys on the other team were trying to hit me. Yeah, hello. <laughs> this is the U.S. National <laughs> Development Team program. Man up. So I think that that part of the game, which I loved, which was if you cross the line, you're in trouble. And if we can't beat him on the rink, we'll beat him in the alley. I, I'm sorry, Freddie Shiro, but I like that. And I, I, that's the game I grew up watching and fell in love with. I, I grew up watching Wayne Gretzky have so much room because if you touched the Dave Semenko, would do what he had to do. And uh, Kipper, you know, that era, 
Dave Semenko would always gas guys off the draw. Are you going to play hockey tonight or you want to get stupid? And three quarters of the time they'd say, oh, I'll play hockey, Mr. Semenko, and he wouldn't have to do anything. And, I mean, I don't want leagues handing out suspensions left and right, but if there's no fighting, they're going to have to because bad things are still going to happen. Yeah. And for me, fighting could at least punish those bad things immediately, if not curtail them. Because I think uh, I'll be interesting to see what the play is like in the queue when they totally eliminate fighting. Because now you can still go. You don't go a lot, but you can still do it. Uh, if you guys watch, I mean, Borna, you played NCAA, but if, I used to watch a lot of Atlantic University sport hockey. Awesome hockey. Tons of major junior guys. The stick work is epic. Like, they look like lumberjacks out there. <laughs> so I'll be interested to see what happens with that. Who's your favorite right now out there to, to do it all? Oh, to do it all. The, the working man's PhD kind of player. Uh, I Josh Anderson. He's I got a hockey crush on Josh Anderson. I hope okay. he's okay. I saw him go down last night, but I think I think Josh Anderson's a pretty pretty complete player. I think if you need him to mess around a little, he can do that. Yeah, what Tage so, Thompson fought Josh last night too. Do you see that? Yeah. I, I saw yeah. that. Not very well, but you gotta do it once in a while just <laughs> yeah. to say you did it, right? Tom like, Wilson. Like, yeah, you gotta love Tom Wilson. You know, North Toronto Arena, pitcher on the wall. You know, so you got you gotta love that. But, but I I think if uh, if I had a hockey man crush for for the guy that do it all, I'll go back to Josh Anderson. I mean, when Montreal got him, I was so pumped up. But there's tough times in Montreal. But yeah, Tom Wilson, I like. Uh, I couldn't stand the other night when Bunting wouldn't go with Kane. I I, I thought that was awful. Yeah. Um, if you're gonna play that way every once in a while, you gotta stand up and do the right thing. So I, I didn't like that at all. But that, that, hey, that's what you can do now, right? All right, one more before we let you go. Where's Connor Bedard going? Oh, man. Well, I wish Montreal would lose a bunch of games. I was thinking about that the other night, how awesome it would be for him to go to, to, to Montreal. But I don't want him to make his NHL debut in an arena that's smaller than the rink he currently plays his home games in <laughs> with four shadows around him for poor lighting at a college rink when he skates out at Arizona State the Arizona Coyotes. That's what I don't want to see. Yeah. No offense, Arizona, but I don't want to see that. Still may come. I know. Eh? Isn't that awful? Like, it is. I mean, I love the WHA guys, that the story's from it, but they should remain there. The NHL doesn't need his own WHA moment playing at the Mullet Arena. I mean, how bad is it you got to name your friggin' drink after a haircut to try to attract hockey? <laughs> you know? We like, know. that'd be like going to North Bay and re- renaming it, like, the Feathered Hair Arena after, like, the style of 1985. Buddy, I, I had nobody beat my feathered back hair game. Oh, what did you guys glorious. do? You blow dry it or what? I don't know. It just seemed just naturally hey, it would go back there, I think. Okay. Borny, Borny, when you score 60 goals in the O, you can do your hair any way you want. Ah, yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Hey, Breeder, awesome stuff, man. Awesome, boys. Thanks for having me. Talk Any to time. Deep, None of that fancy analytics, buddy. Just get them in deep. <laughs> Thanks that for coming on, pal. Ken Reed, part of that yeah, great team we see every night on Sportsnet with uh, Ivanka. You know what I love about him? And there's many, many things. But authenticity is, you know, it's such a desired trait to me in today's you know, Instagram influencer sort of culture. Like, Kenny's Kenny. Take it or leave it. He doesn't care. Yeah. And a lot of people say we'll take it. Love them, oh, too. I love it. Absolutely love it. All right. Where do you want to go? We've got Two uh, things. a little bit of time, and we've got uh, the NHLPA uh, poll. We do, but I also want to talk about Shohei Otani striking out his teammate, Mike Trout. Yeah. 100-mile-an-hour fastball, 97-mile-an-hour sliding. That was the yeah. matchup that everybody talked about. 
Yeah. And then it happened. And they are literally the two best baseball players on the planet. They're teammates, and they would never play were it not for some sort of event like this. And they had a showdown to end the game. Struck out Mike Trout. This guy threw 102 miles an hour in the tournament and had a, hit a ball 118 miles per hour. He had the highest exit velocity and the hardest pitch of the whole tournament, Otani. So they're saying he might get $600 million on his next deal. Sorry, that was $600 million. The Senators aren't worth that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Would you rather buy the Senators forever or Otani for guy. 10 years? Or just one guy? <laughs> that's a fair question. Got? You got we sound up for us? David clip. Connor McDavid weighed in on the lack of best on best. That's where we're going with this is hockey hasn't had best on best. No McDavid versus Dreisaitl, Marner versus Matthews. What did Connor McDavid have to say? I thought it was really cool. It's what we've been asking for in hockey for a long time, right? Um, you know, it was best on best. And, um, you know, look, everyone's talking about baseball. And, you know, did you see, you know, Otani versus Trout? And, you know, that's what hockey's been missing for, you know, almost a decade now. So, um yeah, that's what we've been that's what we've been asking for. That's direct, isn't it? So, yeah, who, who wouldn't want to see McDavid versus Matthews, right? How how about McDavid on line with Sid? Their careers are going to overlap for ten years, and they're never going to play in a single international competition together. So, what's the sense out there that uh, last night's uh, World Baseball? championship is putting a ton of heat now on Gary Bettman and the NHL or all the hockey fans going, Hey, that was fantastic last Mm -hmm. night. Where's ours. Yeah. And they're saying that, you know, they were going to do a world cup, but now it can't be till like 2025 or 2026 because no one wants to tell Russia they can't come. Well, that's the WIHF. I think made it official or put something out the other day on, no Russia. So, okay. and, and the league is totally backing that up because they won't do anything without Russia. Well, can we just see it without Russia then? Can I no. get Germany with no, the players, Dreisaitl and the, the NHL players don't Stutzla. want it without Russia and neither does Gary Bettman. Well, it sounds to me like the players want to have this tournament. They do. I'm sure they would be fine. They do, but it'll suck without Russia. It would be preferred to have them for sure. Absolutely. But I mean, if you can't, you still got to go ahead with it in some capacity. Like, it's just been too long. It's been a shame. And part of it is, you know, the pandemic put a damper on it. And, you know, obviously the no, they were, are... they were uh, disorganized long before the pandemic. Yeah. But it's just been a shame. It's just what it really brought to light. You think about, you know, Lemieux and Gretzky and Howard Chuck, you know, putting together that great moment for Canada, like never getting to see Sid with McDavid is I don't, yeah. such a loss. The, the only thing, and I covered the last world cup, here in Toronto, and it's a lot harder to manufacture the intensity of international play outside of the Olympics for a very long time now. And the World Cup was it was a nice event, Kipper. It was dumb, but it was... it, it didn't have it didn't carry much intensity. And our game Can- needs Canada intensity. couldn't have Connor McDavid. The, the rules were stupid, and you're right. I agree that it has to matter. Baseball, it's easier because it's at the end of the day, it's just a guy throwing a ball and you a just guy trying to hit a ball. knuckle down for your at-bat and or whatever. That will yeah. never change in terms of the intensity. But to have that physical element of go 
back to 72, go back to 87 in, in Hamilton. It was, it felt like for, for Canadians, it was our, you know, do or die. We're either the best in the world or we're going to get crushed um, that we can't claim hockey supremacy. But I don't know if a, a World Cup does that anymore. I think the Olympics does because it carries the energy of this is the best tournament for athletics yeah. in the world. You can you make a very valid point about how maybe the emotional stakes wouldn't be there, but it doesn't matter. Like, you have to have the opportunity to see these guys together. They can decide what the stakes are with their yeah. play and their effort. If it matters yeah. to them, then it'll matter to the rest of us. We just need to see it. You know what I remember m- most? Shinny. You know what I remember most about uh, the World Cup in 2016 here was, well, a couple things, is that uh, the energy that the young guns brought. Yeah. And again, really like a stupid concept. What a, how right? did that happen? But... It doesn't matter because okay. it was that next generation of great young players yeah. and how, you know, the, watching Austin Matthews before he was a Toronto Maple Leaf mm-hmm. was really cool. Oh, I mean, you know, a very right? icon- memorable play. I won't call it iconic, yeah. but I mean. Yeah. And the other thing was watching Brad Marchand play with Patrice Bergeron and uh, Sidney Crosby. Love that. And right? how, how that was like. So this kid who we just thought would be like this third line rat turned into a front line future Hall of Famer. Yeah. He did, you know, if you look at his career when he signed that deal that paid him 6 per year, very good player. What he has become since then is a different caliber of player. No, like one of the <laughs> like one of the best in in this generation. Yeah. Like who can do it all and you know, depending on how this season finishes, and it's looking pretty good right now for him and Patrice and the rest of that group. I mean, he's going to go down as one of the best sports figures in in Boston's history. You yeah. know, he's going to be up there. A championship for the Boston Bruins would put all those guys in that same light oh, yeah. as you know Phil, Bobby, and all for the greats. Sure. So, on that note, there are five players in the latest poll that were voted in this question. Which player do you least enjoy playing against but would like to have on your team? Don't look. Don't look. we're doing this? Don't look. Yep, we are. All right. Five players that players voted that they would like to to have on their team but hate playing against. Okay. So, we were just talking about. Brad Marchand. Number one. Brad Marchand. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, number one. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned him with Ken Reed, Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson is one of the five. Absolutely. You'll get. Uh, You know who I would put up there? And I don't know if he got any looks or any serious consideration. Evander Kane. Great pick. He's not on there, but that's a really great pick. Yeah, because he's the guy who fits the mold there. Yes. I'll give. There's one more I think you might get, and then two may. You may. Yeah. Be harder. Now. With Ovechkin, like Ovechkin's hammering you on goals, but he's also hammering you in in yeah. in the boards. Yeah, that's a good one. He's not on there. the The other ones are Connor. He, yes, Connor McDavid is second. He'd just be a nightmare. You just don't want to defend that. No, Jeez. no, no. That's I'd rather get hammered than embarrassed, so tripping true. over yeah. my feet. Yeah, I'll take out that hurts over watching yes. the highlight for the rest of my career, rest of my life, watching for sure. him dangle me. Like Morgan Riley has to watch Connor turn him inside out till he's dead. 
Uh, the other two are Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, for sure. That's He's a, a pain in the ass. Surprising for this one, Victor Hedman. It's only 3.9% of the vote, well, so probably a I couple mean, guys. There's a, is that, I don't think you're, you know, scared of going against Victor Hedman. I just think good. it's, it's, you know, when you got that, that height and that reach from one, from one side of the boards to the other, uh, that could be very frustrating to play against. Makes sense. Makes sense to me. All right. Should we go through these? Are, did you see the list? I haven't looked at. Okay. Then them. don't then. Then I'm going to pick a category and I'm going to let I'm going right. to reverse it on you. All right. Let's do it and see how many you get. Um, all right. Uh, let's go with uh, best passer. And this is all under the NHL players poll, which yeah. dates back to, I think, on. you know, back in my day, I think we used to do this yeah. too. And, so you get uh, five names. Is yeah. is our boy Mitch on there? And by the way, for the most part, I think what happens is the players uh, pass this over to the trainers and the trainers <laughs> fill it out. So really it should be the NHL players association poll by, by trainers, team by equipment trainers, managers. Okay. By is, equipment managers. Do we get okay, Mitch? What do we say? Best passer. Is Mitch on there? No, no Mitch Marta. That's shocking. Genuinely shocking. I'm watching last night. If the Leafs had like eight or nine quality chances, Mitch must have set up like five. The pass to Gustafson was nasty, really um, nasty. Yeah. So okay, Leon Draisaitl, Leon has got to be number number one. Twenty five percent of the players so voted good. for Leon. So so good. Uh, Patrick Kane, number you're two for two right now. Thirteen percent when Patrick Kane at number two. I don't know if you're going to get this one, and he is awesome. Ah. You got a D-man back there, like Fox? No, they're all forwards. All forwards, hey? Uh, Panarin. Yes, number four. Okay. But you're missing between Pat Kane and Panarin. Did they put McDavid on there? Yes, they and did. he is fifth. Okay. Oh, man. This sort of thing that's going to kill me, isn't it? And you're gonna, Kucherov. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For that's sure. A, that's a good list. What's he at? 100 points already yeah, again? like 100, 100 again? some points. No big deal. All right. All right. So let's go through a couple of these. Um, we don't have to do the test on everyone. No. Um, okay. If you need one game, which goalie would you want? Everyone picks Vasilevsky. Half the yeah. league picked him. The other four names, you want to suggest any? Well, uh, number two, it's always Vasilevsky and uh, uh, and uh, New York. Yeah, Shesterkin. Shesterkin. I got so, I got Sorokin in my head. That's why. Well, he's fought, his, he's on the list too. Okay. That's why. <laughs> I got, but the drop off, like, Vasilevsky got 52.3% of the vote. Second place is Shesterkin with 4.8%. So went around the league. There's so this was this was done before uh, watching Tampa Bay's last 20 games. <laughs> Apparently it was. Um, top defenseman in the NHL right now. A massive dominating total for one defenseman. Victor. No, Victor's second with 11.4%. Oh, K- uh, Kale. Kale. Kale's yeah, number one, sorry. Victor two. Yeah, Kale. Kale's like Bobby Orr. Yeah. Yossi, Carlson, and Fox. Rasmus Dahlin snuck in there tied with Fox, which kind of surprises me a little bit. Any other kind of categories stick out to you? Best stick handler is interesting. Yeah. Pat Kane. Pat Kane, number one. Yeah. Over, over McDavid. That's a little surprising to me. The only real shocker on there is Trevor Zegras snuck in. I don't. I only say shocker because I don't know. You just don't think of him as one of the elite guys in the game, even though he can do such unbelievably skilled things. 
most underrated player? What a tiresome answer this is. What do you think? Eight years in a row, Alexander Barkov. Is he? Is he underrated at this point? Uh, can you, can you, when you're making 10 and a half, 11 making million 10 and a half, getting voted for this award every single year. Interesting though, on that list, we got Tage Thompson, Zabanajad, Sebastian Ajo, Braden point, but Jesper Bratt is an interesting name on there. He's so good. He is good. Did you see that goal? Shifty. He cut into the middle of the ice and then put one over Vasilevsky. I think no, the other night. I didn't see the highlights. Oh God. What NHL and, arena and, has and the he, best he, ice? He's gonna he's gonna resign too. They may have trouble signing him. You're gonna have cap issues. Um, couple of the annoying ones, if we can. Yeah. Best shoe game in the NHL. Yes, this is where, like, I don't want to win this. No, no, no. I've seen the gum boots you wear in here some winter no. days. <laughs> I don't think you're winning. God. No concerns there, pal. You know, I just I don't need that association. And he won it in convincing fashion. Austin Matthews. Best shoes in the NHL. Best shoes. You're gonna in the kill NHL. him for that if he if they don't win something bigger. Oh no, no. If he uh if they're out in the first round, he's gonna go <laughs> down in history as the best shoe guy. Giordano's gonna have his golden shin, shin pad. pads. He's and shoes. The- <laughs> That's all the leaps are gonna be remembered for. Oh god. Hey, did you win the cup? Happens. No, but we won best shin pad blocker and best shoes. All right. Oh, that's rough. Um, how about they had a vote for the best NHL player or best guy in the locker room? Best locker oh, room I would have been up for that. I was a great guy in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see your name on here, but. Best guy in the room. Yeah. I, I, Just give me a chance. I Just have, give me a chance. No idea who would. Uh, I'll say the first name and you'll on. get it. You'll be like, all right. Uh, it's a goalie. Give me a goalie. Oh, Mark Andre Fleury. Number one. There you go. The flower. You know who's on the list? Phil Kessel. Really? People love Phil. Goofball. Hayes, Voracek, Ryan Johansson, Nick Felino got some votes. Now, that one was evenly distributed. We're talking two, three percent per guy. Uh, best NHL road city to have an off day. Oh God, how is it not Florida? Man. Well, because there's go another the newer city that has. Uh, oh, so they can go gamble? Yeah, I guess. Vegas, Vegas. number one, 30%. And Florida finished third, too. Yeah, I'd take beach over casino. But there's I'd, golf. I'd, I'd take casino over beach. There's golf there, yeah. too. But number two is New York, New York. You know, that's my number one. If I could have an off day in any yeah. city, put me in Manhattan. God, we got excited when Quebec went to Colorado so we could, on an off day. Smoke weed, oh. Sorry. No, uh, <laughs> ski or snowmobile. Did you actually do that in Colorado? Oh, my God. Was we, that not in your contract that you couldn't? Mess took us snowmobiling. Come on, well under Colorado. contract oh, no. for the New York Rangers. We had, like, we each had our own, uh, like, snowmobiles. Those things are death traps. Like, we're, like hammering each other yeah. like side by side knock trying to knock each other off these things are flipping <laughs> all i remember is at the end of it when we had to turn them in all i saw was mark messier like writing a check for damages oh i'm sure and it was Those like expensive machines. It, it was not. It was i think it was a nice t- they were like looking at the snowmobiles going 
Uh, they were like writing down, and they're like, need new this, need new that. And it's, it's like, uh, did you take Visa? One of my uh, my favorite Clark Gilly stories is, so he was a big snowmobiler. They they used to go up to Vermont and snowmobile all the time. And he loved these things. And he wanted to get a new one every year. But his wife, you know, buying a new snowmobile every year. And Clark, wonderful to his wife, Pam, but he used to tell her he got it painted every year. <laughs> she, she was like, oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, you know, it gets chips on it, whatever. Got to get a fresh paint job every year. Uh, he'd sell a new, a new snowmobile every year. He's such a smart guy. That's a good hustle. Also, get your golf stuff sent to the office, not home. That's a yeah, yeah. That's a veteran move I've seen, too. Uh, what rink you said? Was it uh, best rink, best, best atmosphere, best, best ice? Best uh, ice. Has to be Edmonton. That has been the long running one. It's second, second to uh, Bell Center in Montreal. Bell Center, but so I mean, how, uh, like uh, four out of five Canadians. Well, three. So Winnipeg's third. St. Paul, Minnesota, is fourth. Yeah. The shocker, number five, Las Vegas in the desert. Wow, they must have like a newfangled refrigeration system. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I know. Living in Alaska and playing up at Sullivan Arena, that's it's like skating on diamond. It's hard. It's beautiful. Got to be in a cold climate. Anything else like uh, most complete player with nice shoes or anything like that? Complete or... player was Crosby. He was number one yeah, in that category. Yeah. Um, I'm surprising. Kane, best stick handler in a must-win game. What forward do you think would be most impactful? Connor only got 60% of the vote. Imagine voting for Kucherov over McDavid. Oh, this or one's Bergeron interesting. over McDavid. This one's interesting. Who affects the game most around the net? Did you look? No, I didn't. Okay, give me a name. Someone tips it in, Pavelski? Yeah, number one. Come on. 21.4, good call. Well, he's always like, he's tipping, deflecting everything, lots of rebounds. Another one, power play guy in front of the net. The best. Uh, Oh, Kreider? Yes, number two. And then that pesky guy in Florida again. Kachuk, yeah, battling it out. Yeah, that makes sense. And one we saw last night in the island. Rock Nelson? Nope. Anders Lee? Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, big bodies who kind of live in that paint. Tavares kind of does a lighter version of that for the, the Leafs' power play. All right. God, we covered everything. Yeah. Ovechkin passing Gretzky for most 40-goal season in NHL history. How many? 13. My God. <laughs> Four, 13 40-goal seasons. Oh, my God. Oh, he's uh, a machine. You know what is a shame we don't have Sam for fanatics yeah. to become the initial okay. official NHL please, Jersey sponsor. Explain to me, like I'm reading this and I'm like, okay, no big deal. This happens all the time, but people Matt, are upset. They are. Why? I'm thrilled. What is it with fanatics? What's the beef on fanatics? I'm not the guy to ask. Here's what I'm hearing from other people. It sounds like the quality is not up to par compared to a lot of the other jersey manufacturers. Sounds like they initially, you know, a lot of quick printed jerseys that the quality didn't hold up, and then they made a bunch of money with these sort of deals, and they're buying up all the rights, and it sounds like, I don't know. My understanding is it's not the depth of color that you would want, Kipper. Yeah. I know you care about this sort of stuff. Well, a little bit more since I've been on this show. Low thread count. <laughs> Low thread count? Yeah. Low thread count. I look at some of the jerseys hey. my dad used to wear. It's like cheese grater material. Of like the, the, the glue, Egyptian cotton. The glue's not holding up, is it, on the letters? No, you breathe hot on the name bars and they peel off. It's apparently not All the right. highest quality product. Just like that. What do I know? We've come to the end 
of our show. And by the way, for everyone, just so they know, we had Off the Rails Wednesday today because Kipper yes. is not going to be here tomorrow. I'm taking off. I'm pulling a Sammy and taking off for a few days uh, heading south, but I'll be back next week. I know you're going to hold a fort here with uh, our, our good buddy Gunner. Me and Guns, yeah. We so talking Leafs. Don't go anywhere, everybody. Still going strong here on Real Kipper and Bourne. Our thanks to Brad May and Ken Reed. And give us a rating and review. We love hearing from you. The feedback is awesome. Have a great night, everybody.